That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Pobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. It's Dr. David Miller here with Dr. Michelle Pobega. What's up? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Back together again. We did a solo show last week, so it's nice to have you back. How are you feeling, Dave? I'm good. I had I had the Rona. Ha. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm okay. The good recovery. Uh, listen, well, yeah, listen, we're also back with someone, a former guest today, who feels like an old friend, even though... We only hung out for a little bit. Yeah. We, who do we have today? We have Dr. Jenny Tafunkian back and she is, has a very specific focus on chronic fatigue um, because of her own personal experience with, with struggling with that particular s- syndrome. Would that be the correct word syndrome? Um, and uh, really helps people with those like chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia type cases Um and today she's going to talk to us about mitochondrial health, because that is a really important factor when it comes to a lot of those particular um, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia type cases. It can be a really important component. And I think for the most part, it probably is, but I guess Jenny's the expert and she'll clarify that for us. So welcome back to the show, Dr. Jenny Tunkian. We love Thank having you. <laughs> Thank you. It is so great to be here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, speaking of. Rona, Mm -hmm. you revealed to us that that was something you had experienced not long ago. Mm -hmm. And that connects back to the mitochondrial function. That's the only reason I'm bringing it up. So tell us a little bit about that experience, Jenny. Sure. Yeah. And first, just I have to just say it's Jenny Tufinkian. I'm so sorry. I keep. And you don't need to apologize. (gasps) And I almost didn't say anything. And I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead because you'd rather know. (laughs) I would rather know. It's a, it is a tricky one, but as I was sharing with other, with you guys before, it means son of a gun. So that keeps it easy. I love that. I love that. That's so Um, good. So, yeah. So after a couple of years of being able to use all the different magic tools that we have and staying extremely healthy, I did get sick and I got uh, the Rona when I was actually in the Dominican Republic and I feel like there's lots of valuable tidbits in my story. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a moment so that those of you who are listening can kind of understand how is it that we become the susceptible host? How is it that we become vulnerable? Because Mm. they're all, because to be honest, I had lots of exposures to this virus before I caught it. Why is it that I caught it then and I didn't catch it one of the other times that Mm. I was in rooms where other people had it like over the last two years, like we've all had contact with it. Why did I get it then? And I'm pretty clear as to what it was. If I can just take a minute to explain that, please. 
Yeah. So we all know those of us who listen to this podcast, who are naturopaths or who, who live a naturopathic lifestyle, know that our health foundations are key to us having a strong immune system and, and attending to that. So, you know, the digestion, the sleep, all of the health foundations. I, I had a low grade gut thing that I knew I had last spring. I knew that my husband and I had both had a little bit of H. pylori. The thing is with H. pylori is you can give it back and forth to those that you share saliva with. And we, so we've had this thing with low, I knew I had a low grade H. pylori. I kind of felt that my liver needed some support, but I was putting off treating it until we got all of our makeup travel from the pandemic done this summer. Both he and I, for work and pleasure, had an immense amount of traveling that we were doing. So it's like, when we get back, we'll both do this protocol together. So that was going to happen. The other, So I knew my gut wasn't great. I traveled into the Dominican Republic and ended up getting a gastrointestinal illness while I was there. I had a classic fever, diarrhea for a couple of days, probably food burn, foodborne illness. Had to stay in the hotel I was in extra. While I was in that hotel with this fever and diarrhea, and, and in all honesty, it was one of those illnesses that was actually felt fine because I felt like I slowed down. I did all this beautiful healing on this emotional level. Like literally I had it, it was fine. I, I started using laugh therapy and watched Mork and Mindy. <laughs> so that oh I my would God. laugh. Yes. <laughs> and I was reading some really great uh, emotional development books and was really processing a lot of beautiful stuff. So literally like that was fine. But I, uh, one night I started to hear a cough in the person in the room next to me. And I heard that cough and I was like, that is a COVID cough. Whoops. Mm. I'm not supposed to say that. That is a Rona cough. <laughs> and so this building, this hotel, I couldn't open the windows and we had shared ventilation and our, we had a shared ventilation on the wall where that person was oh, coughing. And I felt like a freaking sitting duck yeah. because here my immune system was already dealing with this other infection. I was fine. I was dealing with it, but I just felt like my defenses were down mm -hmm. and I just felt like I was vulnerable. So I really felt vulnerable on that level. And I felt vulnerable on another level too, which we were talking some about before we hit record, we were talking about the energetic body and how mm. we pick up stuff energetically and how we need to be better at practicing clearing ourselves as practitioners and as humans. And, and I felt like I had this really strong energetic shield around me of like no Rona here for a long time. And we did in our whole family because my son had these sailing events. My husband had this work travel. Like we all had these things we really, really, really wanted to do. And it just felt like you're not coming in here because we're going to do all this other stuff. And I literally in my head knew that I had this two week window after this trip before my next thing, that if I were to get sick, this would actually be an okay time. And everybody else had sort of done there. So I literally feel like I let my psychic guard down. Mm. I'm not kidding. Like, and it just felt like, okay, susceptible host, like physically and energetically, I felt mm. like I was susceptible. So yes, I got it. Um, my body handled it really well. I felt really proud of having a fever, got a good fever, got a really good productive cough. I felt like everything was clearing. Nice. Classic naturopathic protocol. Like literally I was taking something every single hour. I was putting essential oils on my feet. I was taking Chinese herbs, Western herbs. Like I was doing all the stuff. I kept sleeping great. There was one day, and I want to just say this because I feel like that particular virus has an energy of despair and depression or anxiety and really can influence people emotionally. And if, you, if you're infected with it, there can be a period where it just feels all hopeless or you feel deep terror or anxiety. And I'm just saying that because that did come in one day and I just really clearly said, no to it. Like just, I am staying connected with my higher self and I used essential oils and I just really pulled in this different power. And I just want to say that we do have that ability to use those parts of ourselves to protect ourselves from that kind of energy. My body healed. It felt great. I was like, great. It's going to be a seven day process for me. Day eight, nine, all of a sudden my energy tanked mm -hmm. just suddenly went to bed that night. And literally what it felt like in my body was if 
the Death Star in Star Wars knew that it was going to be destroyed, but it had to send out a million drones out. That is literally what it felt like in my body. I literally felt this explosion in all of my cells. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this virus is so dang tricky. It just takes turns and goes deep at, at a split second, which is why we see people get better and then get worse and get better yeah. and get worse. They totally dove into my mitochondria. Mm. And and that that virus went into my mitochondria and I woke up the next morning and I was like, chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. I know this really well. Hello, I, old friend. <laughs> absolutely. My muscles, everything felt so heavy in my body. I was completely exhausted, like just physically, like the idea of going down the stairs, like chewing my food. <laughs> you know, right. like yeah. this is hard this all of a sudden and i was like oh yes as you said hello i know this feeling and now i remember why i am so dedicated to get people to not experience this anymore because it sucks <laughs> yeah yeah. So, yeah that's so, a yeah that's so a this humbling. is like taking you back to because if you haven't listened you should listen to the first episode with yes. with uh dr jenny and, and talks a lot about <clears throat> her her experience with chronic fatigue. So definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't, but this is like just a, it sounds like this is like another reminder of, of an old friend. Yeah. 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 And I always say that, you know, people, once you have things like chronic fatigue, magic encephalitis, once you have it, it's really easy. You are, you are vulnerable to relapse. The body can go back very, very quickly. And I think this virus that we've all been hit with this coronavirus is will always go to your weak spot. So uh -huh. if you yeah. have cardiovascular issues, it's going to go there. If you have blood sugar instability, it's going to go there. If you have heart, you know, whatever your, wherever your weakness is, it's going to find it mm -hmm. yeah. and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to stay there. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess mine is my brain. Cause I, I, I felt so, I almost had like a headache and like a, uh -huh. like a extreme kind of like, almost like my dura was like tight you know yeah. like the my yeah. like the covering of my nerves was just yeah tight but yeah I'm not sure yeah. if I've had it the last couple of years but there is there's one time where it just felt like I couldn't it was lingering for like a good week and a half and eventually I did lose my taste and smell for a period of time oh interesting. I was like maybe that's maybe that's what it is um so so I'm not sure my digestion is always I always call that my weakest link so I imagine that would take a massive turn if I really got a more severe variant of whatever but uh yeah you had some very interesting reflections about the virus like even the emotional imprint mm -hmm. of the virus was mm -hmm. really beautiful observation that you made. And now I'm going to start like reflecting on the people who have spoken to me about their experience with it and just seeing, mm -hmm. but, but, but there's also just that oscillating where it's almost like, it feels like it's going away and then it comes back mm -hmm. and it comes back differently. And then it feels like it's going away and then it comes right. back differently. And right. it's, it, it, it's, it really does keep you guessing and you have to just be vigilant. But, yeah. um, you know, as I said, in our, in our pre-recording not that any of us want to experience anything that is challenging health-wise, but as healthcare practitioners, especially when we have an invested focus in a specific area, sometimes it's quite humbling to have these experiences again, but I think it's also um, in a weird way, a beautiful reconnection to our, to our, um, to our purpose yeah. and, and reconnection to being able to understand our clients and not be so removed from what we previously experienced and, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and be there for our clients and in, in a better capacity again. Um, so, I, I, unfortunately you went through this, but I think that this will be such a, um, a pivotal moment for you to reconnect with your purpose and your client and your patients as well. So, um, in a weird way. Does, you know, does that make sense? <laughs> oh yeah. I actually feel the same way. I really do. And I, and I always, I always, I always feel that way about experiences that are challenging challenges yeah. in our life, you know, and whether it's a, whether it's an illness or some other crisis, there's always an opportunity in there for growth and expansion. That's my belief. And it's my experience and it's how I choose to live my life. And, and, and so when I got this, I, I really did feel like, especially when it went into the chronic long COVID kind of pattern, 
of course, part of me was like, oh no. And then, but part of me was like, wow, this is really interesting to experience this from the inside Hmm. because I've studied it so much that I understand what the virus is doing and I understand what my, my body's response is to it. And, but to do it from the inside makes me understand it in a new way. And it did really remind me, like you said, it just, it just reinvigorated my conviction to help people get out of this. And I can see why people think that there aren't any answers and it is hopeless, but it's not, Mm. there are things that you can do, but to your point of it's always changing. I think one of the things that was really helpful for me was I had some of my colleagues remind me of something that I have to tell people too, which is that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Treating this virus when you get it acutely, especially if you have chronic conditions, it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. And so even after you think you're better, you still need to keep treating yourself and being proactive with what you're doing. So now after, you know, getting dragged back into the ring here by COVID, what, what have you, like, cause you're an expert in this and you've experienced it personally in the past and you've treat, I mean, it's a big focus of how you help your patients. What, what, what new level of depth did you, did you get to now or what did you relearn or whatever with your latest, you know, um, challenge with infectious burden? Yeah. Mm. Well, I think part of, so as you know, from my other talk that it, I, I see chronic fatigue as having five root causes and that not everybody has all of those same roots. Can you, can you repeat them? Like, I love listening. Yeah. 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 So that there are the five root causes and the five root causes can be viral infections. So obviously this is a viral infection Mm -hmm. piece. There can also be mitochondrial dysfunction. There can also be limbic brain dysfunction. There can be toxic overload. Mm -hmm. Or there can be what we call the hormone triangle, that hypothalamic pituitary axis, thyroid, testy ovary dysfunction piece, the hormonal. And that's what I always consider as the gateway. That's the gateway root cause. (laughs) Because most people come into chronic fatigue from a stress. They're like, it's, you know, they, they had a traumatic event or it's too stressed or their lives are too stressful, too crazy. I, what I found really intriguing watching myself go through this is seeing how once I, once the COVID crawled into my mitochondria and start and what it does, what the virus does once it goes in, and this can happen to any, this is what chronic viruses do is that they hang out and hide and fly below the radar system of your immune system, just like the World War II pilots did, where they would fly below the radar system and then be able to do low level bombing. Well, that's what these viruses are doing is they're hiding behind hiding from the immune system. And one of the places they can hide is inside the mitochondria. And they actually alter what genes get, what, what gets expressed. And um, they alter the way the mitochondria so that they can't, the immune system literally can't see it. Like it literally takes that away and it reduces the apoptosis, the, the mitochondria's ability to kill itself. If it's infected, Mm -hmm. it reduces that ability. And so you're not, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Jenny, and, is this, is this normal for a virus? Sorry, I just quick. Yeah, viruses is, do it. Is this viruses, normal to go in the mitochondria proper, like to go in yeah, there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It is, it just want to clarify and that. They, and they literally go and then they, and the mito, and what happens in the mitochondria is that that's where our energy production system is. You just imagine that's like our little energy system in there. It literally, these viruses literally start sucking your energy. Like they literally take over, alter your glycolysis process and actually Mm. take your energy. So for them to survive, it's like you're driving your car down the road and somebody's got a big hose sucking off your gas off your Mm -hmm. car. I mean, it's just, and that's kind of what it feels like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of feels like, hey. Um, So what, but what I found interesting was, okay, that's what's happening with my mitochondria. That's why I have this heavy, achy feeling in my legs. I had a really scary experience where I, I started feeling a little bit better a couple of weeks into this. And um, my best friend was having a birthday party in Seattle, three hour drive away and had this incredible opportunity to celebrate for her birthday that I want to participate in eating at a very nice restaurant. And my husband drove me up. I rested the whole way. We went, had a nice time at the dinner. I was very present, felt great, felt good, had a bad night's sleep. The next day we went for a short walk. 
and it was the most exercise I'd had in a month. And I, um, all of a sudden my legs couldn't move. What? Like I just couldn't go. Like there was nothing left. They wouldn't work. And it was really terrifying, which is when, um, it, what you can begin. Where did it feel like that was coming from? Like, like from the nervous system or the muscles actually had nothing in them? Literally, literally there is no gas in the tank. It was not in my head. My head was fine. It was like, I literally couldn't, I squatted down and I couldn't get up. There was no, there was no strength there. There was just, I couldn't do it. And I had to like breathe and then slowly. And then I just slowly, like a 95 year old person, maybe a 105 year old person walking up a hill, like got into the car and I was like, oh my gosh, which then triggers another one of the root causes of chronic fatigue, which is my limbic brain, which starts to absolutely freak out because Mm -hmm. I start awfulizing like, oh my gosh, like, is this going to be how it is from now on? What's happening Mm -hmm. to my body? Oh my gosh. You know, and start awfulizing future tripping, past tripping. You know, I've been really sick. I've been in bed with IVs in my arms. So, you know, I was like, I have history here. Yeah. The neural pathways are there to go down. Yeah. And, and, but thank goodness I understood that that was what was happening. And my husband understood that was happening. And so I'm like, whoa, I need to do my limbic brain exercises right now. So as soon as we're in the car, I'm starting to talk to my limbic brain, you know, bring it down from the ceiling and to start calming down my nervous system. I'm doing deep breathing and all of the things that I needed to do to bring myself down. And to this day, I still do my limbic exercises again, because physiologically, when you are invaded like this, it is a stress. It, it, it creates a physiological stress response. Mm. Literally the messages are coming up from your mitochondria through your organs, hitting the nervous system, going up through the vagus nerve to the limbic brain and saying, it's not okay down here. It really isn't okay down here. So your limbic brain's picking up this general stress response, doesn't know what to do with it, except to activate the stress response, which then locks into, you know, your subconscious thoughts and thinking and life patterns. So I've needed to exert extra conscious attention on that response so that I don't make it worse because I I had days where I felt terrible and then I would do my limbic exercises and I felt much better. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like clearly that has been activated. Yeah. It's a testament to how like healing is an active process. Right. It is an active process. You make a choice every day, maybe every minute, every hour to heal. It's not, I pill and I don't think about this. This is just a confirmation that you have to participate in your healing. Right. I love, I love, I love how you said that. And you saying that it is, it is. And I think, you know, for me being reactivated, it meant that I had to rein things in about what I did because I was used to having my life where I didn't have to live within so many I I could, you know, I could have a decaf (laughs) ice milk, hemp milk latte if I felt like it and my body was fine. I know, wild, wild wild woman. (laughs) But honestly, I came, I, that has sounded really good. And I haven't had one because I'm like, nope, Chinese herbs, herbal teas, like there's just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dialing in my health foundations, right? Mm. Need to be sure I'm getting enough sleep. I'm eating the right foods. I'm working on healing that underlying gut problem because that's blocking my ability to heal if I'm not dealing with that. So now I'm dealing with that. Any, the last, the last time you dealt with, you know, a, a bout of, of this chronic, this chronic fatigue were the same things sort of what you I guess did you and what I'm trying to say is did you have the same susceptibilities this time and therefore focus on the same sort of foundations or same sort of tools you used previously or was there anything a little bit different now that you know you're going through this a little bit older than you were last time and maybe some unique traits of the virus was or did did you find like oh my god it's the same things I have to do my limbic exercises I have to like what, what was there any differences Yeah. Yeah. The big difference is I know all this stuff now. Last time I didn't know it. So last time, so I've had two big crashes. I had my first crash when I was in medical school and I didn't know anything, but came out. And then the second time I crashed, I was when I learned, I figured out all this stuff. That's when I figured out there are five root causes and these four health foundations you need to address. 
but I was learning about them one by one as I was going through. And it took me years to heal mm-hmm. this time, because I know that it, like that first night I felt it was my mitochondria. The next morning I got up and I started to treat my mitochondria and I'm trying to, I feel like the, and, and the other challenge is to get the immune system to recognize that there is an infection. So I'm doing that as well. I knew that, that um, I knew I didn't know last time. I didn't understand how, if you have other chronic infections, when you are triggered with your chronic fatigue, it can reactivate old stuff. I didn't know that years ago. I know that now. So I knew that, that having a coronavirus is going to, could trigger my Epstein-Barr virus. So I immediately went back on my antiviral protocols for my Epstein-Barr virus. Mm. Like as soon as I got this, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm going to start taking some valacyclovir. And I'm getting my olive leaf extract and I'm starting to treat this. So I've been on it, you know, and like, again, that limbic brain, oh, yep, that's limbic brain getting to be on that for sure right away. And I knew I had to dial in all of my other things. The thing that I found really interesting is um, one of the things that can be very beneficial. Well, let me make sure I answer that question. So so that's what was different is I know what to do. And mm-hmm. I always say that, like, if you know your root cause of your fatigue, then you can one, get out of your fatigue pattern faster, but you can also stop the relapse. I mean, I really feel like I know, I know that I'm, I am already so much better and I'm going to come out of this. I don't have any doubt. I'll come out hundred percent out of it. Um, I don't know if it's weeks or months at this point before I'm at a hundred percent where I'm hiking 15 miles a day, mm-hmm. but I know that that's possible. I mean, I don't doubt that it's possible for me. Right. But at least it won't be like this never ending pit of, I don't know when this is going to end. It might take years and right. years. Like now you have the tools and the understanding right. to kind of get you out right. of there faster, which is must right. be so empowering to be like, okay, I get it now. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because it's really scary. It's really scary to not have yeah. your energy. And even though, and I'm, I was really scared when I was sick um, last time and I didn't know any of this stuff and there wasn't anybody there that really had all the answers for me. There are people that had pieces, but not the whole picture. And, and, um, and I'll admit, I mean, there are even times this time around where I mean, I, sometimes I just lean against the wall and cry, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, there are times when it just feels hard and too overwhelming for me too. I think people yeah. who struggle with any kind of chronic illness, whether it's autoimmune or chronic fatigue, ME or long COVID can relate to this, that you have moments when you feel pretty good. And when you feel pretty good, you're kind of like, oh, maybe it's over. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm back to normal. And then and then hours or days later, you're, you're crashing and you feel like crap. And then you're in the same kind of mindset of like, oh, maybe I'm never going to get better. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. The brain is funny. So, um, but I feel very, I just feel so grateful that I know what, what to do, which has really gotten me very excited about helping more people with long COVID. And actually, um, I'm just going to say this here because I'm crowdsourcing that um, if anybody knows of institutions that are interested in having somebody come in and work with that institution, that corporation to help them with their people who are dealing with long COVID, let me know because I'd be super happy to help with that process. Awesome. Yeah, you must be grateful in a way because it allowed you to consolidate all those things you learned like piecewise, put it all together. And like, let's be honest in, in terms of like the duration of your symptoms, it's not that bad compared to, you know, the years and and, and of, oh, yeah. of things that you've experienced. And, and I know other people experience too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I am totally, I, um, I went, I was at a retreat this, I was at a, I was at a medical conference this past weekend. And at one point I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to go at all. And then I was, I really, really, really wanted to go. And I had some really intensely, um, exciting and stressful events there where I was being interviewed for docu-series and things like this, which is really a wonderful opportunity, but it's also, it's its own stress, right? Mm-hmm. And and the travel and all those things. And I really didn't know how this was two weeks after my event in, in Seattle where I crashed. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure. And so it was very wonderful to just see myself even in that situation continue to improve like I was able to do more and more and more each day I was there even though there was a lot going on which was incredibly um exciting (laughs) awesome yeah um I want to kind of go back to even just mitochondrial health in general um 
that was what we were going to talk about, but now you had a whole like personal experience to bring into the conversation that is connected to that, which was phenomenal. So thank you for sharing that with our audience, Jenny. Um, but when it comes to the mitochondria, can we start off with like a little synopsis? Like, yes, a lot of practitioners listen to this, but a lot of just general public listen to this podcast as well. So can we just kind of delve into the role of the mitochondria and how that becomes problematic in, in situations like chronic fatigue and, and, and stuff like that, yeah, that would be absolutely. fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So inside our cells, if you just kind of think back to high school biology and that picture of the cell, mm. um, which is just an absolute miracle of existence as are we, you know, it's just an absolute really miracle. Cool. And one of the things inside, one of the things inside of that cell is something called your mitochondria and that mitochondria is literally where we create the energy to do everything in our in our bodies here's a little you know you hear about gosh you can only live what is it like a a week you know three or four days without food a week to 10 days without water you can only survive 90 seconds without your mitochondria so when there are those um comic book things where the evil person comes in and throws a gas down and everybody dies instantly like that is killing your mitochondria <laughs> and that's that's a toxin that wipes out your mitochondria and people just die instantly mm. it, and i don't mean to be dramatic and trigger your limbic brain except to say that that's how essential they are and they're beautiful and they create a lot of strength and energy for us but they're very very vulnerable they're very very vulnerable to toxins in our environment and um they and and so it's really something that we want to take care of is you know mind your mitochondria and learn how to take care of them and there are things that we can do every single day to support our mitochondria health mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i guess it makes sense that they're sensitive in a way because they live within a cell which gives them like this sort of like you know they, they're they're living within a cell which is a controlled sort of environment itself so the fact that they're sensitive i guess is makes sort of sense um, is there, is there increased numbers of like mitochondria in different organ types and, and does that correlate with sort of symptoms or whatever that people get, or is that not as relevant? Yeah. So the, you will have more mitochondria in the places where it needs more energy. So the heart muscle has way more mitochondria in it than say your calf muscle has mm-hmm. in it. You know, your heart's a muscle, your calf is a muscle, but your heart has way more mitochondria in it. The brain cells have way more mitochondria in it. There's really cool communication between different mitochondria in different parts of the body. And the mitochondria will um, either destroy themselves or build themselves up and create more of them depending on your needs. So one of the things that happens when you're getting in good shape, when you're conditioning yourself, is that one of the things that's happening is you're sending stress signals through your body and saying, hey, we need more mitochondria. We need more energy. We're going to start climbing mountains now. We're going to start, you know, doing this, this, this run. So, you know, every day. So we need to start, we need more mitochondria. So it gets stimulated to build up more. Can you speak a little bit on, um, so that's the gone right situation. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about the gone wrong situation? Sure. And obviously you discussed that a little bit about even just your legs completely pooping out on you when you're in Seattle and you're attributing that to like your, your no, no more gas in the tank and a mitochondrial concern. Could we kind of elaborate a little bit on that for people? So, and symptom wise, like what they might be able to connect yeah. the dots with? Well, just like any, any any power plant or any engine you can burn clean or burn dirty. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I always like to use that analogy because people can usually figure that out. Like if their car hasn't been tuned up and it's kind of burning dirty or you get bad gas in it in your, and your engines pinging as you go up, go up a mountain or something. (laughs) Those of us who have mountains, we understand. And I think that, you know, your mitochondria, so some really classic symptoms of mitochondrial and basically some of the things that you can tell if your mitochondria are not working well is you look like you're aging. So Mm. aging, aging is literally a process of the mitochondria breaking down and Mm. not regenerating. Well, that's literally what aging is. Another sign that your mitochondria are not functioning so well is just being tired. Now it doesn't have to be as extreme. Like my experience was an extreme example, which is why it sounds so dramatic. Most people don't have that. It was, and that's definitely this virus being extremely tricky, but 
there are other people who just have kind of low grade, uh, not burning clean mitochondria and serve mm. more like a low grade fatigue. Another really classic sign when I am interviewing my patients and I'm trying to decide if mitochondria is one of their issues, it's one specific clinical question, which is, I love these. Do you want to try to guess? <laughs> Dave? <laughs> no, I remember she had some, she had some nuggets. I know you had some amazing nuggets at the, for, at the, at, at our, at our, but I feel like that's months away. Failing the test. So many people. I know we fail. I have to go listen to you. Uh, oh, I know so. one. I know one. I know one. Uh, issues with like multiple chemical sensitivity, that sort of yeah, thing. That was, limb, that was a limbic brain. Okay. That one was a key one. That was, yeah. That was yeah. Limbic brain. yeah, yeah. Post-exertional malaise. Aha. Uh -huh, yes. I do remember yes. now. Okay. Yeah. Post-exertional malaise. So, which is one of, so post-exertional malaise means that you do anything outside of your normal routine and you feel way more tired afterwards. Mm. So whether your normal routine, if you're struggling with a chronic health condition, that means that, oh my gosh, I did two loads of laundry and the dishes. Or if you're out there in the world, you hiked, you know, you did the 12 mile hike instead of the five mile hike. That's a bit, maybe I won't use that example. I use one actually of a patient who is incredibly fit rock climbs and stuff, but he has chronic fatigue and he's needed to just do these kind of one or two mile walks with his kid or do like a 30 minute, you know, just a short climb, intense climb. But if he goes out and he's out all day doing something outside, then it's post-exertional malaise. And people with post-exertional malaise, it takes them um, one to three days to get their energy back or longer. Like, you mm. know, for me going to Seattle, it took me about 10 to 12 days to get back to anything close to what I was before I left. I knew someone um, were just walking up two flights of stairs to go from the laundry room to the bedroom was like, and I'm done. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, and you're done. There's, and you're done. And then you lie down for 20 minutes and you feel back, feel better. That's just, that's different than post-exertional malaise is like, I did that. And now I feel worse than when I started yes. and it's, it's taking me yeah. and it takes 72 hours for that ATP and the mitochondria to reset. And mm. so if somebody comes to me and says, oh, it takes me three days. Like I go for a run instead of a walk. And three days later, I'm, you know, it takes me three days to get my energy back. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. So it's, <laughs> it's usually that like, it's like the three day marker is a really strong telltale That's sign. That's super Got strong. It. Yeah. But mm. I've seen it one day, you know, some people yeah. it's one day, some people it's 10 days. It depends on how intense it is, but that three day is just like dead ringer. Yeah. It's not like I needed a 20 minute nap and I'm okay. That's right. It's not so much. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got yeah. it. Good distinction. Yeah. So, uh, con so continue, please continue. No, go, go ahead. You, go ahead. No, I didn't want, uh, is there, uh, aside from like those telltale signs, obviously low grade fatigue. And then we had this post-exertional malaise. I mean, is there anything else that really comes up as a, as a possible symptom of mitochondrial health that isn't as obvious as we might think? I think brain fog is part of it too, but brain fog is also some other issues going on, um, in mm. the, in the brain as well. Uh, but I think that that's part of it, but, um, mm -hmm. but that's, oh. that's other things too. And what about cardiovascular, just because of the, the, the high amount of, uh, mitochondrial work being done in, in cardiac mm -hmm. tissue, is there any, any relationship there? Yeah, I definitely think there's a relationship for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the ways that I, I mean, I think there are lots of, like I was saying, there are things that we can do every day to support a mitochondria. One of the ways that I, kind of a way that I do in clinic to confirm whether I think it's mitochondrial or not, somebody comes into me and says, oh, I have post-exertional malaise and they have fatigue and we're trying to see if mitochondria is a major player in this or not is they can do this mitochondrial challenge, mm -hmm. which is about a week of doing a treatment for a week and see what their response is. If they respond well, then it means that it's pretty confirmatory that that, it, that is a mitochondrial issue. If it doesn't make a difference, then it either means that it's not mitochondria or it means that there's something else blocking the mitochondria. Layers. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What's yeah. the gist of the mitochondrial challenge? Yeah, the mm -hmm. mito challenge. So the gist of it is to give the give the mitochondria their favorite sugar, which is D-ribose, yeah. which you may remember from Krebs cycle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
so um, I do, this is what I do. It's not a treatment for you. It's for you to talk to your practitioner about if you're listening to this, but it is um, what I do is I give my patients five grams, three times a day of D-ribose hmm. along with a lot of other things that are important for mitochondrial function, things like resveratrol, lipoic acid, CoQ10, magnesium. These things are all really important for mitochondrial function. And you just give them everything they, everything they want to, to the hardware yeah. to feel better. Yeah. Well, it's, I know it sounds like a lot. And I used to send people out with like all these different things, which I hated because you don't know if you're going to need them, but um, there are big pots and small pots of D-ribose and I would have a little pots in my clinic. And then I found some combination products that had most of that stuff in it. And so I would give them one of those. So they're not mm -hmm. buying 15 things that they may absolutely may need. Yeah. And so I, I did that and that worked really well. And it's literally energy production types of supplements. And what I found is that the people that it worked for were showing up on Friday at four o'clock, knocking on the door saying, I need more D-ribose before the weekend. Don't shut the doors until you give me some more D-ribose. And those that it didn't work for, it didn't work for. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I, and this was one of the things that I discovered in my healing journey way back when was, and I got this from Sarah Myhill in her book. It's not, um, it's not hypochondria, it's mitochondria. It's a great book. Hmm. And that's where I learned about doing this, using the D-ribose. And I went ahead and experimented with it. I'd used D-ribose previously in my practice, but not to the high enough dose where it made any impact. And right. I kind of ruled it out. So I started bringing it back in. And I, I would say, I'd say between 40 and 50% of my people um, really get a really positive response with this. And would that just be something that is kept more long-term in their protocol than after once until, until they get to a certain point? Yeah. So mm. usually what I find is that people need it for months, mm. um, not years, and they need it for months. And then they notice that, and, and it allows what's really amazing. Well, one, just feeling better just gives you a lot of, yep. and then you're able to start. And then literally, if you think about it, if your mitochondria have energy, then your cells have energy, then your organs have energy, and then things are starting to function normally. You actually can detoxify now because there's gas in the tank to detoxify. You actually can absorb and move. And I mean, it starts just the body functions better. So then all of our other healing protocols actually start working better. And usually what I find is that people need it consistently. If they're really wiped out, they need it consistently for months. And then, um, and then it's just kind of as needed, you know, yep. I mean, personally, myself, I needed it. And I was like, kind of like a crack addict, like I would travel with it. And I was like, I need my pot of G-Ribose. <laughs> and, um, but, but then later I didn't need it. I only took it when I was doing a really long, um, something a really intense, physically intense activity. Mm -hmm. And then I would take it before or after. And then I found I didn't even need that as much. It just sat on my shelf. Mm -hmm. I, and I will say just because we talked about it, it, you know, it was one of the first things I grabbed, you know, I was like, Oh, I still have some, let's see how mm -hmm. much I've left when I, when I felt it go into my mitochondria mm -hmm. and I didn't feel a night and day shift with it mm -hmm. when I was on it. And, um, I felt like it helped a little bit, but it was not dramatic. Like it was the first time I took it. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that story if you're interested, but it was, <laughs> it was, um, but it really, but I know that that's because I still have these viruses in me sucking my energy dry. Right. Mm -hmm. When my patients come to me and they do the mitochondria challenge and they're like, it didn't really help doc. I'm like, okay, well, the next thing that I'm going to look at with most of my patients, I've already done chronic viral panel testing on them is I'm going to run a heavy metal test mm. because um, things like mercury and lead they are because of their charge on them they are really attracted to come inside in the inner membrane of the mitochondria mm -hmm. and they gum they just land right into that mitochondria and they stop the glutathione production the mitochondria's own glutathione detoxification pathway get block gets blocked by these heavy metals that nice. are sitting in there and so one of the really common ways that mitochondria gets clogged up is through heavy metal toxicity and so, although I don't do a lot of testing for toxins, because I feel like you're chasing things <laughs> that are hard to, I mean, you know, it's hard to measure them. I do find that that's one test that has been very helpful clinically 
is to do a do a heavy metal test and then detox them from the metals gently and then and then often their cells are able to receive the nutrients for the for the mitochondria after that that's going to be a very interesting kind of balance or a line to walk because even you were as you said even maybe a few minutes prior to the bringing the heavy metals was bringing in the deribose and possibly some of those other mitochondrial loving type of nutrients can begin to re-energize mitochondrial function, re-energize the cell, and then cellular metabolism is better, natural detoxification and, you know, all that kind of stuff improves. And then the body can self-detox. And then that's got to be a tricky scenario when you add in the heavy metals and they're literally hijacking mitochondrial function. Like how do you get them out and then also not drain the person? That must be a very interesting kind of balance to- I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually talking to some other practitioners about this this past weekend about detoxification and how we feel like too often one of the mistakes people make is going into a deep detox too fast and too early and too soon. And they get themselves into more trouble. It's like you don't have the energy to, then you've got all this toxic stuff that the body has been trying to hide from you and protect you from by sticking it in your fat, by sticking it in your joints and in your organs so that it's not circulating and now you've brought it into circulation but your systems aren't ready to actually get rid of it so yeah so i i personally i'd be curious what you do in your practice but personally in my practice i have different types of detoxifications i'll recommend to people based on how their body tends to respond and how decompromised their systems are and sometimes i'm referring them out to a detoxification clinic or specialist where they do that or we're doing really um, gentle things or we're doing kind of more intense things, but I do think it is a delicate balance and you really Mm -hmm. need to be sure. There are some practitioners who I think, you know, they talk about, you really need to make sure that the, the hypothalamic pituitary axis or adrenal function is, is, is better before you even detox. Like you need to have, they need to have that, that zing, that like, you know, life force in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've come across that a few times where I'll do a certain type of test and parasites and all these things show up and I was like, Oh my God, get rid of them. And I was like, Oh, uh, I don't know if that's the place we need to start. I feel like you need, you need to be reinvigorated a little bit before I can jump to that. Cause I don't think your body's in a state to handle right. that just yet. We're not going to neglect right. that because that's right. an important step of your recovery, right. but that can't be step one. And I think right. it's a really important discussion to have with people about like, building the foundation as best as you can, even if yes. it's strengthening it a little bit and then yes. move it and it might have to go back and forth. And right. it, it is a very delicate balance, especially when people have a chronic, any kind of chronic condition and trying right. to get them out of that. Right. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine in, in the chronic fatigue world where the mitochondria gets gassed, especially if that's part of it, or even the limbic brain, you start mobilizing things and the body goes into like safety alert mechanisms too. It's a very interesting balance yeah yeah um yeah my dogs can start barking in a second because of the delivery (laughs) yeah i have two things to say to that one is to the health foundations i always say having those health foundations i mean they really they literally are foundations like foundations of a building and they need to be strong that i mean i think we talked about this last time you know i have Mm -hmm. my system of my four different health foundations the digestion detoxification the mindset the spirit the movement and the breath the rhythm and the sleep and how those have to be there i've added one though which is connection which interweaves through all of it like that connection to other people connection to yourself connection to your higher self all that um and those the more those are in place the better any kind of treatment is going to work but um the other thing that i think that it's good for us to remember is the power of the mind going back to that limbic brain, the power of the mind to affect our health and that health foundation of mindset spirit, how sometimes that's the one to be called on. Mm. You know, when the body is really broken down, sometimes that is the one that can be the one that when you start working on that, like if it's not able to do the detoxification and stuff like that, you can, you can pull the energy and the resources from there and start building up that system. And that has an amazing um, downstream support on the physiology of the body. Jenny, one, one thing I like about you is, you know, well, you get, there's lots, but you know, you're able to shift from like the mental, emotional, you know, spiritual, we're talking mindset, but then you'll talk about like, you know, the, the hardware we need for the mitochondria to work. The, 
I, I, and you've talked about some of the hardware for the mitochondria to work as part of that um, D-ribose, uh, you know, challenge that you do. What about some like quantum biology? Is there any kind of like quantum biology type things you're doing, like nature cure or any stuff that's not like nuts and bolts, but also like we talked with Catherine Clinton has got me reinterested, I guess, in, in like quantum biology and things like that. Is there any sort of nature cure type stuff that, or other quantum biology uh, ways to influence the system? Yeah, I'm trying to wait for my dog to stop barking. It's okay. Got like all these packages delivered. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Part on. of it's part of it's part of our nature cure, connecting with animals. The, cure home <laughs> the dog's freaking out in the background. <laughs> Calm down in a second. Um so uh quantum nature cures, that's a really cool concept. I've never actually put those two together, and I think it's it's kind of fun. I think that I think in terms of quantum, I mean I've um quantum healing. I was just heard Joe Dispenza speak this weekend talking about quantum healing. And I think that's accessible to all of us. And I think it's really important. And as part of tapping into the power of our own body to heal, you know, where is, where's the medicine coming from when you have a placebo? Where's mm -hmm. it it's coming from mm -hmm. you? I've always said like the most powerful medicine cabinet is it's right here. It's in us. It's in mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And so taking that power back is part of what I think the future of medicine is, is yeah. us mm -hmm. realizing our own power and impact to affect our own physiology and taking ownership of that. And it, and, and taking ownership of our physical health and our mental, emotional and our energetic bodies and how we influence each other because of this, which goes back to some of the conversation we had before we hit record, right? In terms of, you know, taking care of ourselves on all levels continuously so that we can be more present with how we are. I, I think that, you know, do I have a specific thing that I'm doing in clinic? I have practices that I share with people specifically for mitochondria that I think mm -hmm. we should be doing every single day mm -hmm. that I incorporate into just my daily practice to stimulate my mitochondria that I think are really beneficial for mitochondrial health. And then I really believe that in terms of the quantum healing, it's something that I'm personally working on. How is it that I can improve my own ability? Like, you know, like this whole thing I'm having with this long COVID and chronic fatigue reactivation, I'm doing my things in the morning, my activating my brain to heal my body, seeing, you know, visualizing my, my, my mitochondria being released of these little viruses, you know, doing all of these different things. And I think that that is, that is quantum, right? It's, mm -hmm. that. it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of get this vision and, and I use, um, I think the other thing that's very powerful that I use are essential oils mm. because I literally think that they hold, I think that they hold like this, this energy imprint from the plants, like in their purest essence, like on a physical level, like they are very highly charged on an energetic level. I think one of the reasons they become so popular recently is that we need it right now. I feel like the earth and the planet, I feel like we're going through a lot of changes right now and we need to evolve quickly and have tools to be able to help ourselves resonate at this different energy so we can handle all the quick change, all the things that are coming our way. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of the things like the essential oils are one of the tools that we can use because they help ourselves understand that from an energetic perspective yep. to begin to vibrate on different level. And, and which is the same thing that happens when you're you know, using deep meditation or your mind or sound healing is another thing that can be really helpful to move your body to a different energy level. We were talking What's about that with Dr. Catherine Clinton, even just, sorry, junk noise versus like nature, nature that has a different frequency right. that resonates with our biology, helps structure the crystalline right. water in our body, like all that kind of stuff. So, right. um, I like that we're talking about this as, as opposed to just here are the pills that you take to support mitochondria right. health, but what are the practices that you can do, or what are the yeah. things that you can integrate into a routine? Right. Um, and I think that's probably a lot of what Dave was trying to also nab into, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll tell you specifically for the mitochondrial health, but let me just jump back in and talk about that day when the COVID was really getting to my brain and I felt this really heaviness and depression and stuff around me. Another thing that I did besides just using my mind was I started to play music that was at a certain Hertz mm. to elevate the cool. energy in the room. I started to use essential oils that literally vibrate. At, I mean, we've measured 
at what levels are at higher level essential oils, like things like rose, <laughs> you know, like I was diffusing rose oil in my house and just like, let's bring it all in. Like that, I don't have room for this. I don't want this to live in me. What can I bring in to help shift my physiology to a different state? Mm-hmm. What are some, um, some tricks that you have for t- mitochondrial tricks that you use daily, like just that, daily mitochondria stuff yeah yeah so outside this, outside of pills right yeah so a lot of this i you know i got from some of the mitochondrial people that are really into this like dave asprey and yes and the biohackers White. of the world biohackers right <laughs> they had they have fun stuff so some of the things that i've incorporated into my routine are um so 30 seconds of cold water on your face actually stimulates your mitochondria to produce more mitochondria, to break down and produce more. So I take a hot Epsom salt bath at night. Well, my nighttime routine is dry skin brushing to move my lymphatic system. I put castor oil on my liver and I put it on my lymph nodes and I have a nodule. So I put on there too. And I take my Epsom salt bath with my candle and my essential oils. And then at the end, I do cold, cold water on my face and figure you can dip your face in cold water or, you know, do a little ice bath on your face. That that 30 second thing is like a little mitochondria thing and just your face alone it doesn't have to be like a full cold ice bath because i've done like the two minute ice baths and just your face is great yeah ice baths are great if you can handle it you know but yes a face just on your face again like a little bit every day right Mm. you drink your water every day you eat your vegetables every day just a little bit every day the other thing that can be really really helpful is is um uh doing um intermittent fasting And that's a great way to actually work with mitochondria. And this was another interesting insight I had around me having long COVID this time is that I've never had a chronic fatigue crash where I didn't have that hormone triangle out of whack. Like Mm. I actually came into this with my my adrenals being pretty good and all of that. Like that wasn't the precursor. And so it's been great because I've been able to intermittent fast and get my mitochondria to start responding. That's been one of the treatments I've been able to bring in for the, for the long haulers that I'm experiencing is, is intermittent fasting. So I don't think everybody's ready for intermittent fasting. If somebody has blood sugar issues, they need to work on the blood sugar balancing yeah. and the, yeah. and the renal fatigue stuff has to be handled first. But I do think that once that's in place, then intermittent fasting can be really helpful. I also think people need to be flexible with it because yeah. if you're still cycling hormonally wise, or you have too much stress, or you are up all night traveling or with a baby, you can't do it. So Mindy, um, Mindy Peltz is a really good one. She's a chiropractor. I was listening to, um, it was Dr. Lori Bouchard, actually, David, she had something called a breakthrough medicine conference. And I'm mm-hmm. still kind of whittling my way through some of the things. Cause I have it for a year. And I was like, well, I'll just get through. And I listened to this the other day and she talks about funny enough, um, with COVID and autophagy and how viruses don't have their own energy systems. They need to hijack yours, which is your sugar. But if you're in a ketone kind of burning rather than a glucose burning, that's better. And she says that if you're in an autophagy stage, which would be, which would be your fasting state, then that actually disables their ability to replicate because you're not giving them energy. So right. she said she recently also got COVID before to the prior to the recording. And she said she would literally fast all day and just have one meal a day. And she found her recovery to be incredible. Yeah. yeah the autophagy is definitely key for long, for, for the long COVID. And they've yeah even found people who have, um, fasting as part of their tradition, yeah. their religious tradition or their, or their spiritual practice that they, um, tend to get less long COVID. Yeah. So, but yeah. yeah. And she was also talking, especially about the cycling, like you mentioned to you, especially with women, depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle, exactly. you need to change your fasting state to yes. honor each stage, but that's a whole other conversation, but, it is. but she it does is. talk about how that does improve energy production, cellular production, detoxification, right. apoptosis, cellular exactly. surveillance, immune. She's like, it's wild. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. All of those things that are really essential for mitochondrial health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mindy yeah. Peltz. It was, yeah. it was an interesting yeah. talk. And, and then another thing to be, to be aware of is that some of our most favorite pop, um, antioxidant types of things actually go against that autophagy. So if you're doing a fast for autophagy, there are some supplements that you don't want to take mm-hmm. while you're doing that, whether there are other supplements that actually promote autophagy. So, you know, that's, again, that's kind of a whole other talk at this point. Right. <laughs> Is there a way to help the immune system support 
any kind of infected mitochondria? Cause you were even talking about viruses hijacking the mitochondria and then the immune system having a hard time yeah. finding its way in there. It's there are ways of doing that. I am still, that's kind of like one of my intellectual curiosities. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out, like what is, what is the best way to do that with particularly with this, you know, the SARS-2 virus, how is it, what's the best effective way to do that? I feel like I've figured that out for a lot of the other viruses. And I don't know if I figured it out consistently enough yet for this one, but it's something that I'm working on. What I have found works really well say with Epstein-Barr virus is to use homeopathic nosodes or cytomegalovirus. Mm. I find the homeopathic nosodes at different potencies, what it seems to be doing, like from what it seems like clinically is that it's, it's like, it, it, it's giving the information to the body to say, Hey, this is what we look like. Look for this thing mm. at all these different, different kind of energetic imprints. And, and it seems to make a big difference. Cause I noticed that after a couple weeks of doing this process, the immune system starts to respond and people start feeling achy and kind of fluey for just a little bit for a day or two. And then they feel so much better. Oh, and on. yeah, it's really great. And so I, um, to this day, I haven't found the nosodes for this virus, but I'm looking for them to see if we can use that as a method to help. And I'm honestly, um, using different herbal formulas and things like that and using myself as a guinea pig to see, when I feel like that, you know, to, to experiment. And so, well, you have a yes, no answer for you. You're on, (laughs) you're on top of it today. So you're doing something right with your recovery. You're you're on fire today, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. So the brain fog has definitely been there on some days, (laughs) but I didn't feel like it was as bad as it could have been because I was treating, um, brain fog from a mold thing I had. And I feel like that helped. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Jenny, do you want to, do you want to bring up just quickly um, a couple of things, maybe that like a couple of little tools, cause your websites, it's really cool. You got lots of like free stuff and, and quizzes and stuff. Is there any new stuff that, that you want to talk about at all um, offers and things like that? Yeah. So, um, well, if you're, if you're struggling with low energy and you're trying to figure out what your root cause is, then I highly recommend you go to the website and take the quiz and see what, see what comes up for your root cause. Um, Cause like I said, if you know what your root cause is, then it makes it a lot easier to get yourself out of your fatigue hole and get back to feeling better. And if you struggle with this, it's going to really, you know, once you understand what your root causes are, then if you're in a situation like I am where you're you've got the relapse beginning to happen, you can, you can stop it so much faster. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend that. Um, I've got a group program that will be launching in, in early in, in 2023. So if you're interested in checking that out, go ahead and get on the wait list. It's going to be a group program running people through. And I have just a few slots uh, that I'm taking people doing one-on-one for those who are really ready to make a transformative shift in their health and want to commit to a designated period of time where we get you from A to B, then I'm super happy to have a conversation with you and see if we're a good fit. I've just got a few of those slots left. So if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, then reach out to my clinic and, um, and they can start having a conversation with you about that. So can you say the group program, is it, what is it specific, uh, specifically about? It's, it's vital women. It's for women who are struggling with low energy and are ready to start feeling better in their bodies. Cool. Cool. I just wanted to make sure people, we direct the right clientele to you. I appreciate you (laughs) you coming back and asking me that. (laughs) Good. Awesome. Jenny, as always. You have been a delight to have, and and mm-hmm. and like Dave said, you're really good at bringing in. How do I say this? The very like the the practical, the, the researched, the studied, the the it's in textbooks as well as the the more levels of the energy, the the no sodes, the homeopathy, the essential oils, and the Joe Dispenza type of you know we are more than just a physical body kind of vibe, but you have a really great balance between those, those things. And I find that I think 
to say so boldly as like, think that is going to be the way we actually heal the world. We're starting to move in that direction. And I think we need to lean into that side of stuff more. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, that is my personal belief. And I love that you have this beautiful balance of that with your, with your message of how to help the body heal. Um, I think it's fantastic. I could listen to you talk all day. Same. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you again, Jenny. I always I I learn and and realize I didn't learn enough last time because I failed the I failed a couple of questions, but I um, <laughs> but you Brain you got talk. that's on the teacher, right? <laughs> that's totally on the teacher. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, you, and you know what? You're a great teacher, and I I learn lots from you every time, and it's fun to talk to you, and and I'm sure your patients feel really really lucky to to have you uh, sort of. Um, attending to their their vitality and and so thanks again for sharing your your wisdom with me and michelle and and all our listeners really appreciate it thank you again for having me it's really fun to be with you it's just so great and thank you for everyone for listening <laughs>